Working Dog Radio. Broadcasting the bite. We're super excited to have Ray Allen back on as a sponsor out in Colorado Springs. Be sure to use the discount code Working Dog Radio spelled out for your 10% off of your next order. RayAllen.com. It's not just for working dogs, guys. It's for all dogs and no sex offenders. True story. You guys have all heard us talk about it. Our favorite e-collars, dogsure.com. They got ball trainers. They got bark collars. They got the 1900S that we love. Ted, how do they get a discount? Go to dogtrue.com, just like it sounds. Use the discount code WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. I suggest the ball popper or the 1900S because I use a ton of both of those. But yeah, dogtrue.com. Our good friend Cameron Ford, we've had him on the podcast. We've been on his podcast. He's over there in Vegas now, silverstatek9.com. He's brought his scientific approach to detection work over there to Vegas, silverstatek9.com. All kinds of uh, detection and supervisory schools and everything else like that. Ted, what do you think of that place? It's awesome. I mean, Cameron is one of the most well-versed guys when it comes to the scientific approach and the detection work when it comes to finding bombs or drugs. He's one of the only guys, I think, that ever ran a dog in three states as a law enforcement officer if i remember correctly but yeah great facility great people great training uh hit them up silverstatecanine.com if you guys have seen ted and i posting pictures of these bad ass poker chips we got we got them for van s canine torchlight canine hrd working dog radio we get those from our friends at combat bet challenge coins ted talk about where they can get them and little discount combatbetbet.com use the discount code spelled out working dog radio and try before you buy with the sampler pack be sure to go to combatbet.com forward slash wdr and then plug in the discount code wdr and they'll send you a free sample pack of the ceramic coins and of the metal ones so you can choose which one you want We're super excited to have Horizon Structures on board as a sponsor of the podcast. They're a family-owned business, and they have quality customer service, and their pricing is super, super simple. In fact, if you head over to Horizon Structures, you can see the full gamut of their pre-made kennels, and they go from mild to, I would live in one of these things, wild. So, uh, Eric, (laughs) where can you find them? Horizonstructures.com. It's like a buffet for kennels and everything on that. Horizonstructures.com, or call them toll-free, 888 447-4337. All right, we are back. Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite. Uh, I am Ted Summers. With me, as always, is Eric Stambro. Uh, This is a little different because we're doing a live show, or live-ish, I guess, uh, in Ocala, Florida. Eric and I are down here with Ray and the crew doing a uh, HRD event with Marion County Sheriff's Office. Uh, Eric, what's up? I think my toenails need clipped. I just looked; they're pretty long. I it's looked disgusting. at mine. That um, uh, dude, we're having a blast. It's hot as balls down here. It is definitely moist. But so these guys are putting in work. The handlers are kicking ass. The decoys, of course, are kicking ass. We don't bring shit decoys. So um, I would not tomorrow. These these decoys got to put those suits back on. They're gonna be so <laughs> gross. It's gonna smell like a fucking dead but, body. But yeah, we ran a bunch of scenarios today. Some environmental stuff and. Everybody liked it. The dogs have to be exhausted. They, they have to be. There's um, uh, a lot of bites. We, we do an HRD seminar every single time after the even the first day. We have people tell us, um, "Yeah, that was more bites than my dog gets in, in a three day seminar." And the next day, there's more. Yeah, well, you still got two days, don't we? <laughs> yeah, and then tomorrow we got uh, vehicles and a couple of the scenarios we're going to do. We have a good time, man. It's, yeah, it's fun. Good handlers, good dudes, guys putting in work. I like that, man. Don't do me a favor. Don't come to our seminars 
with an attitude that I just I'm coming so I'm not at work or not on the shift. That's a that's, <laughs> you, you're not you're not really I, getting I, anything out of it, man. I got bad news for you. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. even there's there's a a gentleman. I don't know how. I'm not going to assume how old he is. He has to be older than me. Um, I'm praying, but uh, guy's putting in work. He's kicking ass. Yeah. He, so he was we're good. The, he was one of the cleanest runs on Brown Holiday. So mm-hmm. For sure. What do we got going on, buddy? Well, um, so one of the issues that I talk about a lot um, in my decoy seminars and then in HRD, especially with um, a couple of scenarios, we talk about targeting and the maintenance of targeting. Um, for anybody that's been through my decoy seminars or has been, or my handlers know, or that has been in contact with me like off of social media or whatever else, I, I start talking about um, you know maintaining uh, records of maintenance um, for normal required targeting um, and normal required grip quality and all those other things. And you know I've said it a hundred times in here, and Eric rolls his eyes when I say it. <laughs> but um, you say everything a hundred times. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if I if you say it enough, then it becomes a saying, and people fucking remember it. So. <laughs> So I, I told somebody the other day, real quick. I said, we, "We need to get a bunch of guys that all listen to the podcast and go describe Ted's uh, business partner to me." And I guarantee you, they're going to be a grumpy asshole seventh group Green Beret guy. And that's what he is. <laughs> right? So he's an old grumpy. He's an old grumpy seventh group guy. Um, so. Uh, you know, part of that is, you know, when we come to these things, we see a lot of dogs that bite arms, which is a completely acceptable target, right? I mean, that, that's, that's one of the most important targets. Um, one of the other targets that I mentioned a whole lot is legs. Um, you know, I said it today, like if I raise a puppy, uh, for police work, I start them on legs and then move Mm -hmm. to upper body, um, so that they are equally versed in all the targets. You would not believe how many dogs come through these seminars or that I see that, like, if I block an upper body, they just start fucking barking at me. Um, so <clears throat> A lot of guys don't, man. I don't, it, lack of knowledge is my assumption. So And leg yeah. bites suck. Yeah, oh, leg bites fucking, they're the worst. They hurt so fucking bad. You think forearm bites are bad when they're just grinding your soul into dust? Taking yeah. a leg bite right behind the knee is awful. Um, so, you know... Because of that, within like kind of the the working dog world, um, the best leg biting dogs are far and away French ring dogs. Um, there's various reasons for that, but those motherfuckers will bite legs, and that is their primary target. There's several other reasons for that, and we're going to get into why. There's um, a couple of Mondio ring guys who are like fuck you, oh dude. Oh my god, and Mondio ring too. I, but I know Mondio is kind of like the just cross. say ring, just ring. Okay, I'm sorry, ring in general without <laughs> Belgian ring, and even though those dogs will bite shins, and I'm gonna get fucking hate mail for that. Yoris is gonna text me after he yeah. hears this and get all fucking pissed off. No, my friend, they bite shins. I know Yoris. I know. Fuck, they bite shins. I get it. Like <laughs> it's <laughs> so obvious that they made a special suit for it that has fucking. It has it like highlighted yeah. on the suit, like this is where you bite, dog. So <laughs> it's got arrows. <laughs> yes, it's like here, bitch. So uh, you know, with that, um, we brought on a very accomplished um, French ring trainer, um, French ring decoy, uh, and just a very uh, good trainer all around, uh, Jason Davis uh, from Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, so Jason, what's up? Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah. As Ted, Ted said, my name is Jason Davis. I'm from uh, Jacksonville, Florida, originally from Michigan. Um, where, at, where at in Michigan? A little, little town called uh, Flint. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody ever heard of Flint. <laughs> area, yeah. Yep. Don't drink the water. 
Wall will go outside after night. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Either one will get you killed. Yes. Um, but, uh, yep, been, uh, you know, up there and or down or yeah, up in Jacksonville where we're at right now uh, since 2012. I've been competing in French ring since uh, I certified as a decoy in 2007 and wow. played around in it a little bit before just because my family's been in it as well. But I certified myself in 2007 as a level one, then started competing with a dog in it in 2008. And I've been going uh, pretty consistently. It took a little sabbatical just to concentrate on business and whatnot, but ever since. But back in it now, and, and I have a pet dog training company up there to uh, put the food on the table with. Cool. When you say the family was in it, what, what are you talking about? Uh, so my, my uh, Uncle Terry and my, my dad, Rick uh, Davis, were both heavily involved in French ring. Uh, first, my uncle. My uncle kind of brought my other, his, you know, his brother into it as well. But he was one of the... Kind of the you know the starter, trying to find really good dogs that were a fit for it because French Ring's been around obviously in France much longer than it has here. So when mm-hmm. anything is new coming to a different country, you're kind of feeling it out at the beginning, and it's kind of you know going blind at the beginning processes of it. And then he started going over and, and first he started trying to bring in these big Dutch dogs, right, to do French Ring with, <laughs> and, and uh, uh, outing is a requirement in French Ring, and, and outing quickly, and there are a few situations that those dogs weren't working out, so he started kind of researching uh, and making relationships in France with uh, uh, some pretty good trainers and, you know, uh, resourcing, you know, sourcing his dogs from there. That's cool. So we've had, we talk, you know, it's Working Dog Radio, so we're talking about Working Dogs. We've had uh, we talk PSA here because uh, Ted's yeah. a decoy and stuff for PSA. Uh, we've had Bradshaw on. We talked Schutzen. A lot of people on here know what Schutzen is all about. Talk, describe French Ring. Like, wh- what's it? What's going on there? Uh, French Ring. It's a combination of agility, uh, obedience, and protection. Um, there's different levels. There's a starting off in the brevet level, which is uh, the very entry level. There's four obedience exercises, and then there's two protection exercises. And then after you've uh, accomplished that, you've passed that, you can move on to uh, ring one, which there's you know a couple different, you know, a couple more protection exercises. It's a little bit more obedience exercises. Uh, the the pressure that's being put on the dog during the protection is pretty similar to what's going on in the brevet. Uh, you have to pass two legs of that and before you can move on to ring two where more is added more agility more obedience uh, uh, more protection exercises and also a higher level of pressure from the decoys at that point once you've passed two of those then you can move on to uh, french ring three which uh, is is you know a total of you know out there in the field in a row for pretty close to an hour most of the time. Wow. So it requires a dog wow. to have a ton of yeah, stamina. Yeah. Yeah. I can't be out in the field for an hour. Yeah, even yeah. as a handler. I had to take lunch. <laughs> it's miserable for summer trials, right? And you're, yeah. out, you're out there. But yeah, your dog can be out there for pretty close to an hour long. First, is, is it hard to find a French ring club in this country? Very. Yeah. Very. A um, couple different aspects of it. The the sport itself, it, it's it's pretty difficult. Just like any, any of the sports have their absolute complete challenges. Um, this requires a team just like any other sport does. Um, so it's it's because of the fact of how long the routines can become later on, right? mm-hmm. it can be a little bit uh, discouraging for certain handlers. Um, I think there's definitely needs to be a higher level of support and promotion of the sport by individual clubs that are already doing it, um, and in order to you know 
teach and instruct and pe- bring people in and groom them up to be uh, you know, knowledgeable as far as what it is. Mm-hmm. And it can be a very dangerous sport as far as when you get into the protection aspect, as far as from the injury of decoys and the injury of dogs, right? Mm-hmm. It's wide open field. Dogs coming at you at 30 miles an hour from 50 meters, and they can bite you wherever, right? And right. so it can be, uh, you know, fairly taxing and discouraging for, for as far as yeah. that's concerned. Dogs are fast and decoys are fast. Like, it's just fucking fast, like mm-hmm. real fast. Mm-hmm. And things happen real fast and bad things can't happen. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, we were kind of talking about it today a little bit. The scoring is a little different um, for venturing, which is kind of how the like the the differences evolved for say PSA or Schutzen or even for Mondial Ring or for that matter NVBK um you know NVBK is the sport where grip is king I mean it's a fucking 25 point grip I don't even think anything is worth 25 points in fucking PSA yeah you got two judges judging both sides of the mouth to make sure that there's (laughs) no air like you get a 23 minute you get a 23 point grip in NVBK you need to sell the dog because you're not going to win anything and that's how important it is and those are fucking grip I'll buy it I'll buy it no, yeah, exactly. I'll buy a 23-point dog. You got one? Let me know. Info at torchlightk9.com. I'll buy a 23-pointer, I promise. So, but French ring, um, grip is not judged at all. Um, it has n- not necessarily no bearing, but it has very little to do with the scoring process at all. Correct. None at all. So... Because of that, you know, we start looking at how um, and how this kind of works into targeting for police dogs and the decoy work for police dogs. Because I think a large reason why um, French ring is not popular in the United States is it takes uh, very good dog selection. It takes a very experienced decoy to teach a dog and it takes a very experienced dog to teach the decoy. Mm-hmm. And because literally they can bite anywhere. Um, so talk a little bit about like the scoring process and how the eskeeves work and what an eskeeve is for those that are listening. Yeah, sure. So without getting too deep in like actual the points right. involved. Um, so one of the reasons that the, uh, the, the quality of the bite is not a judge during the, uh, during the competition is the, the <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that part here. Why he emphasized yeah, bite is the, it's because the work of the decoy itself, the decoy is in constant motion, every direction under the sun. And if you were going to be having the bite judged at that point, it's almost putting a dog in an unfair advantage situation because if I'm sitting there trying to, if I'm twisting my leg in a certain manner, right, and I'm pulling my leg out of the dog's mouth, and I'm moving this direction, then the last, you know, next second I'm moving in another direction, expecting a dog to, you know, have a full bite the entire time, it's just not practical. It's not realistic for that situation. Mm-hmm. Now, does it? Does that mean we don't train for it? I absolutely train for a full bite. It's, it's mm-hmm. an obsession of mine. But that's why it's not judged in that particular, you know, in this particular venue. But also. The dogs aren't judged on speed and entry and intensity, just like they are in many other sports, because there isn't a there isn't a stationary target or a target moving in straight line. Yeah, right, that, doesn't, that doesn't try an eskeeve, which is part of the scoring process. Correct. So because we are point we are we are pointed, right? We lose points if the dog misses. Right. So you want a dog understanding and gathering and almost anticipating which direction the dog is going to, or the decoy is going to go. And if they're going 30 miles an hour, uh, most dogs don't have the ability to cut at that yeah, speed that's last wicked second. Some, some yeah. do. Um, I, I've seen it. 
And I won't work them without big giant barrels in a barn between me and that dog because I'm getting old now and my knees are much older than what my body is. So I don't mess around with that. But that being said, most dogs, they, they need to gather and at the last second cut and then explode at that point. So that's why the uh, entry, the speed of the entry is not judged. Um, after the escape, if an escape is made, which is making the dog miss, if that happens, now in the upper levels in ring two, we're allowed to keep the dog off for a certain extent of time in ring three it's sent it home to its owner yeah. right, without biting you. So because it's that, you don't want a dog fixated on a singular target, right? You want primary targets, but they need to understand that the whole suit, it's, it's game, right? Because the longer your dog is off, right? That's when you really, really, really start losing points. The initial miss, not that, not that big of a point loss. Uh, you start keeping a dog off from biting you mm -hmm. after the fact, uh, the points become, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's excessive, right? That's when you really start losing your points. So you need a dog understanding how to counter all those movements and, and having multiple targets. Right. So my buddy Jake uh, is a Mondial Ring 3 dog, uh, decoy. He's over in Cleveland, Ohio. <clears throat> Shout out to Jake Scott. Oh, that's my boy too. Yeah. yeah. Everybody Jake, loves Jake. Yeah, I love Jake to death. He looks like a white supremacist terrorist, but he's actually a... Jewish IDF dude. I still don't believe he's never drank before. Right. I, I love Jake. He's a good dude. But anyways. Also, he was in a, uh, like a heavy metal band. Yeah, like, yeah, for Salt, sure. Everybody. Was a tattoo artist for a minute. Yeah, he was in a band called Salt the Wound. Yeah. yeah and you know that band, right? I yeah. do know that band. Yes, <laughs> of course I you do. You should play some in the headphones. <laughs> but, uh, so Jake, on Mondial Ring, I don't know about French Ring, but he said the Mondial Ring, it's really a, even all the way through training, it's a battle between the decoys and the trainers mm -hmm. trying to figure out um, move, the, the, the decoys are trying to figure out moves to take points from the, the, the dog. The dog's handler and trainer are trying to figure out tendencies of that decoy and how to counter double this and double that. It's fascinating to me. I'm too old to yeah. do it, but <laughs> it's fascinating to me. Is that French ring kind of the same way? Is it a it, thing? It's, it's similar um, as far as in Mondio too. There's no primary. There, there, I mean, there's no one direct target, and they're also not judged on bike quality. They're not judged on speed and intensity on the, the, the fucking speed. Those crazy. Yeah, no, it's nuts. It, but what and also too, there's technically no escape in Mondio ring. Does it happen? Right. Absolutely, it does. Mm. Um, because the dog, right, missed you. You didn't escape the dog, right, right. supposedly. So that being said, uh, they, they're also, uh, uh, once the dog is, one, they have different props. So the only thing that a, a French ring decoy. <laughs> Eric is drinking. Okay, so. <laughs> <Can you> tell? <laughs> the, the only thing that a, a French ring decoy uh, has uh, for certain exercises, he has the, the stick, the baton is what mm -hmm. they call it. And it's a, it's a, a piece of bamboo. Right at a certain length, that's split into uh, six uh, pieces, and then uh, you will have a also a uh, a gun, right, a blank gun for mm -hmm. other exercises. Uh, in Mondio, they can have different uh, you know props right, in order to kind of similar to PSA, right? You can have certain props, right, to yeah. put environmental pressure uh, on the dog itself. But it is a uh, decoy versus dog and versus training situation mm -hmm. because there's not Mondial has a lot more field environmentals French ring has no field environmentals there's oh. not gonna be anything out there Mondial they have themes right so their yeah. their trials will be themed where it's a Halloween theme they got like scary stuff and, mm. and, and could it be uh, the Simpsons could you do the Simpsons yeah thing? it could definitely I think be I would Simpsons, do that right? something like that where, where <laughs> 80s theme with yeah. Michael Jackson uh, that would be scary Michael so, Jackson uh, mannequin 
So where I find where I find pressures are added, I find also other pressures are, are taken away, right? right? So because of decoys movement in French ring, there's no uh, bite quality uh, um, judging, right? But mm. because there is, you know, if a technically no escapes in Mondio, and also too after the dog is biting you, you're not supposed to be hitting them with the object, for instance, for, for the, the, what we call face attack, right? For their stick attack, right? Whatever they, they call it. They're not allowed after the dog is biting them, they're not allowed to make contact with the dog. So because of that, they have environmental pressures and weird things set up on the field so that way pressures mm -hmm. are coming from somewhere else. And where ring, it's literally, you know, groom perfect field, it's decoy versus dog. And that's where the pressure on itself is right. coming from there. So <clears throat> because um, the bite quality or grip quality, whatever we're talking about, is not judged. Well, I got and, I'm getting them trained. Did, <laughs> one podcast, I'm getting them saying bite quality. Damn, this is great. So, um, with a ton of eskeeves, uh, how do dogs solve that problem? And I, this becomes applicable to police dogs, which is a majority of the people that are listening to this. And they're probably listening to this thinking, okay, why? I mean, a lot of canine handlers have never even heard of fucking any of these sports. And they're like, okay, why does this matter? Mm -hmm. And we started this conversation out by talking about targeting and about how dogs don't target. <clears throat> a lot of dogs don't target legs. And we're going to get to that after the commercial. But first, I want to talk about, you know, ha what happens when dogs see a skeeves a ton? Um, and when a ton of French ring dogs see a skeeves, how do they solve the problem? And what is like as a training decoy and as a trial decoy, how do you teach the dogs to deal with it? Somebody that is actively trying to evade them. Mm -hmm. So one thing is when you're, what happens to a dog when they start seeing a bunch of eskies, it depends on their stage of life. For instance, right? If I start showing a puppy that right off the bat, I build a dog who comes in at two miles an hour. So it's something I it's something I made the mistake of with my first competition dog sniper. Uh, right off the bat, five months old, I've got him a slippery fours. I'm a skeeving mm -hmm. and I'm putting the stick in his face a million times. And fortunately, he was a strong enough dog to be able to handle it. But I feel his entries would have been much faster, right, and much more and still calculated, but faster if I didn't start making a miss over and over and over again and questioning which way I'm going to be going. So uh, it's very important that the beginning phases of training. You have the dog doing it slowly. I, sh I, I train things in parts, right? Literally, it's puzzle right. pieces, right? So if I'm going to be, one of the things is I basically teach the legs first, right? Like you were talking about uh, earlier with your with your uh, puppies, uh, with your, you know, that you're grooming up for the police departments. But I like to teach the legs first because that's going to be a primary target for a ring dog. We were talking about a bit earlier. If a dog is trained to launch from, you know, 15 feet out right, and in ring, I'm allowed to make you miss. Uh, that's a bad thing because you can't cut somebody off if you're flying through the air. Yeah, it's like so, a jet ski. You take the power. When the go faster is not on the ground, you can't control the exactly. direction. Yeah. Exactly. So, so you want to teach a dog to stay grounded, right? Stay grounded so they have four legs. Their ability to go left and right is much better than ours. So let's utilize all their parts, right, in order to make that happen. So what I start teaching them is, is I call it dragons, right? Where, where they're, they're dragging the handler, rather. Mm -hmm. And that allows me to be able to set myself up in the proper positioning to give the targets I want. Even though in French ring, a dog can bite wherever on you, I still want primary targets. Because of one technique, also, if a dog bites me in trial, and now they let go to go to another spot because they can't get a good bite, right? And they don't have a, a solid hold of me. Then at that point, what happens is 
either if it's a really good decoy, the second the dog is, has let go to try to find uh, you know a, a, you know higher advantage Exit stage point. left. Correct. Now the decoy and the dog's off me. Boom! Put the stick in their face, scoop them off, whatever the case. So I like their primary targets to be places that they can uh, that are accessible, that they can hold properly. And for for ring, the primary on the entries itself, right on the downfield sends, is going to be the legs. Also in the guarding, right during our escapes, is going to be the legs. I don't want a dog chasing my upper body when I'm escaping backwards because anytime a dog leaves the ground, I'm at the you know I have the advantage mm -hmm. in those situations especially. So I don't want them doing that. So I want the legs to happen. So by the handlers back tying the dogs, right? And even before the dragons start happening, it's literally the handlers, handlers are posting up the dogs, right? And I'm giving them, presenting the proper target points that I want by simply holding my body parts in the manner that's gonna cause the dog to go, oh, that's what I'm supposed to bite. Right. So somebody asked me earlier today, is this is a good question, what you're saying, <clears throat> you're teaching a dog grip or uh, targeting. Mm -hmm. He said, um, how many reps do you think until they just automatically target the same spot? And I said, well, I mean, obviously it's different for each dog, but I, I'm, I'm hundreds. I'm yep. doing hundreds. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of guys skip that step. Correct. They, they skip that step and try to go faster. Um, so <clears throat> one of the guys that's here, uh, decoying for us is our buddy tank and tank came to you for a week or so for a little, mm -hmm. learn a little bit of yep. the French ring stuff. And, um, he made a comment, and this is pretty interesting, that everything you, that he knew from teaching or, or learning uh, a police-type dog decoy, he had to throw it out the window to relearn mm -hmm. the difference. What is, like, decoying-wise, the way you catch a dog leg or upper body is so different than what we do in the police side? So if you were training a police dog French ring technique, right? And I'm a French ring guy. I'm not a police dog trainer. Uh, it's a horrible idea. Uh, I'm an absolute, I do not believe a police dog should be biting the collarbone area. I do not believe that they should be biting yeah. center mass. I do not believe that at all. You have a lot of people that are going to listen to this Balls. who do French ring and they're going to argue, right? And they can like, argue with me. And, and <laughs> exactly. And so, but that being said, if you're biting somebody in a suit, there's thick material to be able to hold on here. Mm -hmm. Okay. If you're biting somebody in a t-shirt, right? 99% of the time when a dog bites you in the sternum, it's going to be either not nothing at all, a scratch, and then they have to find some other spot to bite. And now that's an opportunity for said shit bag, right? To do something, whatever the case. So it's a horrible idea. But for Ring, I have to have them understanding that just because my right arm is there doesn't mean my right arm is staying there. So I need them understanding that they need to counter and go to the exact opposite part of my body. The furthest part of my body is my preference, okay? Because mm -hmm. if I'm in motion, a dog's moving very fast, I don't want them going halfway to the opposite side. I want them thinking about all the way countering to the very other end of my body. So, this is the well, decoy or is the hand? The decoy. Okay. okay. So what Tank was used to was the, the, the like the PSA style essentially right. catch where the PSA decoy, their job literally is to stay in a straight line, not bail. Go forward, go through the dog. Okay? Go, go fast, go loud. And, and, yeah. and because of that, you don't want a dog thinking that there are other target option because now it's a very dangerous situation. So yeah. if you have a dog thinking, oh, it could be the right bicep this time, um, and if a trainer did that, that'd be a very unresponsible thing to do because now we're talking about safety purposes. Yep. So that's what that's what takes his upbringing. That's what I mean, we you know in decoying, doing that and working with a lot of police departments too. 
Mm. That's what he was used to. So now when I'm t- when you're catching a dog on the left bicep, you're literally presenting it. You're allowing the dog to take it, and the dog's impact, right, accompanied with timing, is you're absorbing, right, and you're going the direction that the dog is going, allowing the dog to go through you, and you're essentially swinging the dog around to your left, right, in the mm-hmm. left hand servo. So when I was having him work, my my dog um, Stone, who also has a pretty good upper body targeting, uh, tr- you know, target training, when I was telling him, okay, when you're going to put the dog on your left bicep, right. You're not going to be allowing him to push through and swing, you know, and swing around to your left. You're actually going to be bailing out to your left, and the dog's going to be swinging to your right. It's like riding, that kind of it's makes like riding sense. left-handed. Holy shit! Correct. Yeah. So when you, I'm too old. I can't. Right. Well, when yeah. you have, learn and, and when you have 100 repetitions of absorbing the dog and just going with, going mm-hmm. with, allowing oh, yeah. the dog to go through, it's a very difficult process especially when the dog that you're first learning this on is also upper body. It's an easier, it'd be easier for me to take a PSA guy who's only done PSA, only done left bicep bites and teach him leg pivots, right? Because right. he's not used to catching dogs on legs so he doesn't have that muscle memory. Right. But yeah, when you're okay. dealing with a lot of these situations, uh, it's most of the time, if I did PSA, I would never teach a trainer leg dog. It's just my personal preference, right? It, it's, I just find it safer. If a dog hits upper body, because this is much easier to absorb than the thing that's holding all your weight on it. So right. I prefer, you know, that. But uh, if he, if I was teaching him with a leg dog, it would have been much, you know, uh, easier for him to, to, to mm-hmm. gather. So that's why it was kind of uh, had him clouded up a little at first. Oh, and he, oh, and, yeah, and, and sure. he actually, he, he surprised me because he, he's a big dude, right? If you, mm-hmm. you know, you see him in person, I was watching him throw people through your walls today. He's <laughs> a, mine. Don't give away, don't give away he, anything. He's a big dude, right? But he's, he's super smooth and very fluent and, and he caught on to it pretty quickly, you know? And maybe that's attributed to also, you know, him just being skilled at it also having, I think at that time too, I mean, that kid's only been doing it for what, kid, he's older than me, but two years, right? Decoying, three uh, years. Yeah, it's it's like been that. a pretty short, relatively speaking, a lot of pretty reps, short period yeah. of time. So when you've been doing it for 15. You know, and, and you know, you mentioned something um, that I kind of was hinting at earlier um, <clears throat> with police dogs, you know, we, we have to confirm targeting. And when dogs see a lot of skeeves, they start to move towards the middle. Correct. The middle is where all the vital organs are, and uh, because of the Robinette case, um, dogs don't kill people. They're not lethal force, um, and because of that, they also shouldn't be life-altering. <clears throat> the thing about center mass bites is that's where all of our vital organs are, and that's where neck and groin are, which also have Red lots areas. of... Yeah, which is where we don't fuck around and fuck with people with. And so, you know, it gets dangerous to... Um, kind of show dogs that picture, police dogs that picture, uh, because those are unacceptable targets. So, you know, I'm, and, and that's a, exactly what I wanted you to, to kind of address, and you did very well. Um, so, after we come back from the break, we're going to talk about you have a police dog who's obviously very comfortable on forearms, probably very comfortable on triceps, probably comfortable on biceps. How do we teach them to go low? And uh, that's going to be when we come back. So we'll be back in just a second. So probably my favorite product, one that actually really delivers what they say has been quick turned by vet care. We use it on uh, all kinds of dogs in our kennels. It's, it's fast acting wound care for all species of animals. You can use it on yourself. Dad and I both have done it. We're getting yep. cut. We got a lot of people doing it. 
We get a lot of testimonials on our social media from people showing pictures of what they've done with their dog. It's Quick Derm by Vet Care. Ted, talk about discount codes and where to find it. Yeah, if you go to vetcare.us and use the discount code 10WDR, you get 10% off your first order. And there's rumors that she upgrades the sizes, too, if you use that. So that may happen. It may not. You never know. But, yeah, it, it keeps small things from becoming big things. Uh, so get some and toss it in your bag. It's t- temperature stable, so you don't have to worry about it cooking or freezing up in the patrol car. But, yeah, vetcare. US. We love our partners down in Florida at Southern Coast Canine. We love Bill and Peggy Heiser. And of course, Danny Cornier, who's their right hand man, is one of our favorite people as well. They do a fantastic job of selecting green dogs and training them up and getting patrols, handlers through patrol schools. And they also have a list of decoy schools and a full gamut of detection seminars as well. Eric, where can you find them? SouthernCoastCanine.com. That's the letter K, the number nine.com. Give them a call at 877-903-903 dogs. I can tell you this, every seminar that we've been at where there's been Southern Coast Canine Dogs, they've all been solid. Every single one of them, never have to worry about it. We get right to work. SouthernCoastCanine.com. I've been dying to get this company on as as a sponsor for the podcast, Horizon Structures. You go to their website and check it out. They have got some of the neatest things you can build for a kennel. Why do all the work yourself? Have somebody else do it. They will set it up at your location delivered anywhere in the continental U.S. Uh, Ted, talk about the website real quick. Yeah, it's horizonstructures.com. And if you go over and check it out, you can see the list of choices, which is almost mind boggling for everything from the outside to the inside. And you can go from completely mild and unfinished on the inside to completely decked out like a surgical suite with stainless steel, everything and heated floors and anything you can think of in between. And the big thing that you mentioned is they deliver anywhere in the United States and they set it up. So when it's set up, when they drop it off, you can put dogs in it immediately that day. And uh, yeah, saves a ton of time, but hit them up. Horizonstructures.com. 888-447-4337. They have an on-staff engineer that walks you through the entire process from start to finish, which is excellent customer service, which makes it much, much easier to get back to what you do well, which is training dogs. Yep, we just finished up the uh, hits uh, interviews and got them posted up from Chicago. Uh, next year, we're going to be doing the same thing, except Eric and I are also going to be instructing and bringing our unique brand of scenario-based training to the masses there, and it will be the masses in Scottsdale, Arizona. It's going to be the 18th through the 21st of 2020. Uh, hits K9, letter K number nine dot net is where you're going to go find all the information to get signed up. So, Eric, what did you think? What do you think is going to happen? Oh, I, I loved it. You know, Hits is the biggest and the best. They have the most handlers that come there. So, like, if you're a company that's wanting to be a vendor, you will not reach any more people in this business than it hits. 1,200 people. Know, a lot of people yeah. like me have never really been to Scottsdale and Phoenix. I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be in August, but they got air conditioning like crazy. Yeah, 1,200 handlers and 100-ish uh, vendors. Yeah, they make it. They don't oversell the vendor thing, too. It's, the ratio is very appropriate. So if you're a vendor and you're looking, get on to hitsk9.net or call Jeff Baird at 863-529-5113. Hits, the letter K, the number 9.net. Yeah, it's no secret that Eric and I use a lot of equipment around the kennels at Van S and at Torchlight. Uh, so for e-collars and ball popping stuff, I use Dogtra. I use the 1900S hands-free and their ball trainer, which is a popper and a dropper. I think I've got like six of those things now, and they're all on one remote. So I hide them in our cars and on our buses, and I hide them in places inside the detection building. So we have like six stations that we run the dogs on. Super, super clean way of doing it, and uh, I modify mine with magnets so I can stick them anywhere. 
Uh, my handlers like the 1900s because they're they're putting the button on their plate carrier, so they don't have to mess with a uh, handheld remote and manipulate that at the same time. But uh, Eric, where do you get this stuff? Go to dogtruck.com. Don't forget to use your discount code as WDR10. That is all caps, WDR10. 10% off a single item over 200 bucks. Take a look at that new 3500X. It's their new uh, two-dog system for trainers. I'm telling you, it's the best two-dog system I've ever seen out there. Dogtra.com, WDR10 for 10% off a single item over 200 Some of our favorite people are, are out there in North Carolina, Highland Canine Training. Full gamut services, everything from green dogs, finished detection dogs, finished patrol dogs, all the way up to seminars, whatever you need there, full service facility. You can hit them up at tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Yep, we love those folks down there. Their website, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com, is so easy to navigate around and see everything that they have. They have uh, teams from all over the world that come there to train there, tacticalpolicecaninetraining.com. Challenge coins seem to be like currency in the canine industry. Everybody has them, and everybody trades them, and everybody collects them. So the guys over at Combat Bet make some really, really nice metal ones, and they make some really, really nice poker chip ones. Um, if you've ever seen Eric and I in person, you've gotten some of these, and I've got some for Torchlight. He has some for Van S. We have them for Working Dog Radio and HRD also. Uh, they do a great job, and they're super high quality, and the print on them is phenomenal. In fact... If you want, you can contact them. They'll send you sample packs so you can see exactly what it is, and they'll help you with all the artwork, too. Eric, where do you get them? We get them at combatbet.com. That's combatbet.com. They have a discount code for us. It's Working Dog Radio, all spelled out in capitals, Working Dog Radio. And if we see you in person, you better have one in your pocket because I'm going to drop one on you, and you're going to owe me a beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we love our partnership with rayallen.com. They've been doing business Ethical business, rayallen.com. They've got everything you need to know for uh, all dogs, not just not just working dogs. You guys that are training pets and training police dogs or, or have pets, check them out, rayallen.com. Ted, there's a way for them to get a discount, correct? Yep, you go over there and you use the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off of your next order. They've got the Tricos gear, they've got vet care stuff, they've got some of the Working Dog Dry Goods muzzles and their own muzzles. They have that new rad harness that they just came out with, the Nomad, that everybody seems to be loving. Um, I, some of my guys are using it right now, one of the prototypes, and he's already had some uh, some good work in it. So, RayAllen.com, use the discount code WORKINGDOGRADIO for 10% off your next order. All right, guys, we are back uh, from break. If you, I know you, I, I say this all the time, I know you guys skipped through those commercials. I know you did. You make it a huge mistake. Go back, listen. There's a ton of discount codes in there. We got a couple new sponsors in there. Uh, go back and make sure you're taking a look. We are here talking French ring with our buddy Jason Davis, who is drinking White Claw for all you housewives <laughs> out there. He's, Him and fucking he's a, Sean and Tyler. Yeah, God right. Right. Yeah. They love this. They, they, they just try to see. They're like keeping White Claw in business, these people. <laughs> fucking Sean and Tyler. <laughs> Falconer in Boston. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Sean. So we're going to get into teaching leg bites. Again, we talked about leg bites being um, something that a lot of places don't do because they, they don't do it right and they see a lot of failures in, in doing it. Um and it's funny because when he talks about um, how, how we do it and the mistakes people make when they're training it, I, every one of you are going to be like, fuck, that's me. Because that, with the other day I had him do it, I go, fuck, that's me. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know from, you know, uh, years of teaching leg bites, there's 
there's some things I do to force the dog into the leg, blocking the upper body and things like that. But there's a lot to do with the way the dog's head is turned. But real quick, before we get into that, so in the French ring stuff, um, upper body, all biting areas are acceptable. Mm -hmm. As much as you teach leg bites, um, are you shocked when a dog comes up? Like your dog, for example, if you're competing, are you when he goes in on something, are you like, well, fuck, where, where'd that come from? No, not at all, because I, I, I stress a ton of upper body bites, mm -hmm. right? So my dogs see hundreds of repetitions of upper body bites as well mm -hmm. for the purpose of in upper levels, you esquive a dog, right? The objective of the decoy should be at that point, don't be a rabbit, right? Be a predator, go at the dog. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going at the dog, what am I doing? All I have is a stick, right? That's my only weapon. I need to get the stick down low, right? And well, you know, at that point, I'm giving a barrage, which just means basically shaking it up and down really fast at a rapid pace to almost build a wall, like come through it. Mm -hmm. I dare you. And a dog who's so fixated on the legs and doesn't understand anything upper body, and now my stick is down low, putting that wall in front of my shins, I don't want my dog even thinking about going to the legs at that point mm -hmm. because it opens up too many opportunities even if the dog is committed. You know, when we were doing the fend-offs yesterday, dogs were committed, but you put something in front of their face and shove them off, they can't bite it. It doesn't matter how much they want it, and it doesn't have anything to do with character. It's yep. a technique standpoint. So I need other targets available. So that's why I now have the dog go, as soon as they see that return of skeeve picture, my dog's not even thinking legs. He said, return of skeeve means after I make them miss and I turn and I face the dog, and now the dog has to come back mm -hmm. in to bite me. I don't even want them thinking legs. I want them knowing I'm either going for, and for ring, I'm going for the very upper bicep areas, right? Or if they have to, because it's a suit, right? We're not worrying about vitals, mm -hmm. collarbones, okay? Um, I prefer them get here and stay here. Or it, you know, if the decoy makes a particular move, them counter to the other side. But I want them knowing that that whole area, bicep, all the way to left chest, right chest, right? He's touching his bicep. biceps right now. Mm -hmm. I am. They're, they're, I'm touching they actually, his biceps. They, they actually feel pretty nice, right? <laughs> so, but that being said, I need them to know that those, those are the uh, primary target areas now at that point, right? After that particular picture. So because of that, you'll see, I, I put hundreds of reps into it. I posted a few videos of me working on what I call return to skeeve things and where I'm training that particular exercise with my dog, including uh, using a Karunda bed because I want to really put it to him and I don't have the skill set of a Herve Mabunga, right? I do not have that. You have to, you have to stay right. in your lane and know what you're capable of and I'm not capable of that at all. But that doesn't mean I can't show my dog that type of picture. So if I can't do it with a stick, I'm gonna find something to do it with. And putting that pressure on my dog making legs that's not an option and making him fight through that. And eventually when he shows me enough that he wants it, as a trainer, you need to let him get it, right? Right. Do you see guys uh, that are slacking on the upper body stuff? Early on or late? It's, 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 if, it, if they're slacking on it early, right? Because that's something you need to start showing at a, at a fairly young age, mm -hmm. right? Within the first, you know, year prior to two years that's something you need to show so if it's happening that it's, it's, it's definitely too late but i have seen way too many people comp too confident with the dog just jamming through pushing through the stick to target the leg and all of a sudden they run into a dude who is completely skilled who's been in the suit since he's eight years old right, mm, right. and and now you have a dog who either doesn't know how to get through it so they keep trying right or you have a dog who's never been shown that picture and they start questioning 
why they came made the decision to come up yeah. and try to bite this dude to begin with. Like this right? is the worst day camp home. ever. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And those are my favorite type of decoys to expose those situations. Uh, right. But yeah, you'll, you'll you'll definitely see that that's an issue. So I know there's a lot of people listening to this that are canine handlers, and they're like, "What the fuck does this even matter?" Like, you know, I'm you know I'm not sending my dog to a world level French ring decoy. You're like, you're not. You're right. You're 100. Crackheads do crazy shit though. So. Um, we have to teach targeting and we have to teach those proper areas that are acceptable. So say somebody's listening to this and they have a three-year-old patrol dog that is not real comfortable on legs. Mm -hmm. Where do they start? So how I start one, I don't care how many street bites you have. If your dog doesn't understand this, put your dog back on a back tie. Right, put them on the line because you can't allow the dog to make that decision. If they've had thousands of reps of biting the forearm and you think just because even if I am who I'm, I'm very proficient at legs, I'm not gonna be able to get that dog on my legs if you just send him to me, right? It's, right. It, it's just not gonna happen. So you have to go backwards, put your dog on the line, right? Apply that back pressure. I like this uh, at the beginning would start with the dog just being posted up, not even doing dragon scenarios, mm -hmm. okay? If I have a dog who's so fixated and refuses to even look what a leg is, at that point, I want its brain on the going down as low as possible. So it means the decoy, I'm gonna go down on the ground, I'm gonna be on my side, I'm gonna have my torso the farthest thing away from the dog, right? And my shin the closest thing to the dog so they can realize, oh, this, there are other uh, extremities on this individual, right? And at that point, allow them to uh, uh, target my leg as I'm also as the decoy, showing the dog with some movement, right? That here, this is a moving object, going to prey. I'm never working in these situations in any type of, of pressure and aggression, right? Just complete prey is that the way the dog can kind of you know focus on it moving around and not worrying about killing me. And now at that point with the back tie, work the bite. And then after we've had, depends on the dog, a bunch of reps of that, start doing it with the handler not doing anything different, still on a back tie from the upright position, right? And go ahead. So, no, and I was, I was getting ready to say, you know, there's a ton of things going on here. So with the teaching of the leg bites and we, so targeting in general, Eric and I both do it the same way. We limit access or we limit mobility, we limit both. So I'm in this scenario, you have a back tie that's static, it's not a bungee, mm -hmm. and you're limiting access to a preferred target and you're presenting an alternative target and you're limiting mobility. You're not allowing the dog to choose the decision of where to bite. You're saying, this is literally where I want you to go. And laying down helps with something with leg bites that is for police dogs is extremely important for um, cuffing procedures. Uh, we want their eyes to be out. Correct. So talk about eyes out. It's kind of like Jim Carrey laces out, man. Or not Jim Carrey. Who was that? I'm was, Adam yeah, Sandler. Yeah. Adam Sandler. No, it was Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey laces out. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, eyes out. We had to kick the ball. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Wide right. Yeah. Yep. So eyes out. What I mean, what that essentially means is you want you 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 don't want the you don't want the dog's eyes facing towards the inner part of the legs. You want them facing towards the outer part of the legs. 
Um, uh, I've never been a police officer. I've never done a, I've never put anybody in handcuffs a day in my life, but I've never seen a situation where somebody gets handcuffed while they're laying in the, on their back, right? Ever. The objective yeah, is if it's on the <laughs> ground, right? Mm -hmm. You have somebody, you know, you have, you want the, you know, the hands are going behind them, right? So you need them to be 99% of the time, right? On their stomach. So if you have a dog, right? Who is uh, on the leg, for instance, the positioning is pretty important. So that way you're not injuring your dog in the exact same process of handcuffing a suspect or just getting him all tangled up in the situation where his body's in certain parts where you don't need it to be during that process. So if a dog is, you know, laying, you know, their eyes are on the outside and you put that particular, uh, uh, you know, person on their stomach and it doesn't matter the, once they're going down, right? It doesn't matter if the dog is on the left leg or the right leg, if their eyes are on the outside, what that's going to allow them to do now is their body is going to be away from right the subject, and they're going to be able to have proper biting. Uh, 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 I, I don't even know what the proper name for it. I call it anatomy. Right? right, the dog's spine lines up with its head, and that's the way you want to keep it. You don't want anything getting twisted up, so it allows the dog to be in that proper positioning. And even if the dog is a little bit underneath, more towards the shin. All he has to do when he's driving forward, he just lifts the dude's leg up. Right? It's not a big deal, but he's not caught in the middle of the, uh, you know, the person that you're putting the cuffs on. And you, know, you guys aren't all climbing on top of your dog now and getting them all twisted up and, and you know, wrenching his neck all around. So what do you see, guys, um, and this will resonate with a lot of our, of our guy decoys or, or handlers or young trainers listening to this, mistakes they make when teaching the pretty common mistakes that guys would make teaching a dog to try to bite legs. So let's say you even you you you've set it up properly where the dog is on a static line, right, on a back tie, handlers being a post, and that's all good. And now you've moved the progress of the biggest mistake that I see is once the the, the decoy is now upright, to get the dog focused on the leg. I see a lot of the leg lifting up off of the ground, either kicking up out to the side, uh, the knee, right, knee raises, right? So the foot's coming off the ground. My biggest thing is the foot should not ever come off the ground because what happens is dogs are fan, they're herders. As far as the majority of what we're dealing with, they're herders, right? So right, they're, their, their yes. objective is to cut something off. And if they're gonna cut it off, they're gonna beat it too. So if a dog is so used to, even on the back tie, the leg lifting and lifting and lifting, the foot coming up, the, and yeah, they may be going on the kneecap now because you're putting your kneecap seven inches higher than what it typically is when your foot's on the ground. The dog's gonna start anticipating that that knee is gonna be going up. So what do you end up having? You have a hip biter, right? Or super, super, super upper thigh, which what's that close to? The groin, right? Mm -hmm. Which has gotten vitals. <laughs> Correct. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you do not want a dog in patrol, right? Forget sport, right? In patrol, you do not want a dog biting there, just like no. for the, all the reasons that you were mentioning. And so the biggest thing to remember is the foot stays on the ground. So, okay, but the foot, if the dog is trying to bite my thigh, my upper thigh, right, and my foot's on the ground, how am I going to get a dog to target lower? And dogs bite the closest thing to them. Once they know that it's an available target, they're going to bite the closest thing to their mouth. So one, if the handler is posted up properly and also holding the line in a manner that the dog can't be jumping seven feet in the air and the decoy is presenting their leg in the proper manner, that's going to allow the dog to target at a lower position. And what that proper manner is, my toe always faces the dog, always. So if it's my right leg, okay? When I'm naturally standing there, 
any, anybody, when you're naturally standing there, your right leg kind of splays out to the right, your left leg kind of splays out to the left, which automatically causes a dog to bend their head the proper direction because if they're going to yep. bite eyes in, in that, at that point, they've got to put their head almost upside down to do it. Okay. So, which makes it anatomically very difficult for them. Dogs are very, they're, they're, you know, about the advantage. So they're going to put their head in the proper manner. So that portion is already kind of naturally taken care of, right? So once I keep my toe facing towards the dog, and if I have a dog who's trying to bite my thigh, for instance, at that point, I'm going to obviously keep my torso still bent back and my leg is going to be completely straight. Right? And as I'm putting my toe out, if you're keeping your leg completely straight, that doesn't allow your thigh to get over there. It doesn't allow your knee to get over, you know, over there and up, you know, off the ground, up in the air. So it causes the dog naturally, as they're trying to drive forward to bite you, it causes them to see that, that shin's there, that kneecap is there, let me bite that. And they forget about the thigh because it's not accessible at that point. They cannot reach it. And the big thing is they can't reach it. If they can't reach it, Right? With enough reps, they're gonna stop trying to reach it. They're gonna go for what is accessible. And hundreds of reps of that, now you have a dog using that as their primary target because they know that that's what's been available to them 500 times before. So forget about the hip, right? Forget about the stomach and mm -hmm. go for that particular area you know, of the leg. One thing I see a lot, guys that try and teach leg bites is um, they're like, well, this dog's been successful in the past for 9 million reps. The dog's a seven-year-old patrol dog. He's been successful for, I don't know, like 9 million reps on forearms and triceps. And you put a decoy in a suit and you try and staple him on the back of a leg on a decoy laying down face down. And the dog walks up, decoy staples, or handler staples him on. Dog grips a couple of times. You see his eyes start darting left and right. And then he fucking outs and transfers to a tricep. Mm -hmm. And I see it, I've seen it several times on social media where guys are like, oh, I'll just wear the suit pants because I don't need the jacket because we're working on leg bites. And then they don't put them on a back tie. They just have the handler holding them. There's no, <laughs> there's no leash tension and the dog's like, yep, I'm going to bite you in the tricep because mm -hmm. that's where I, and these are dogs that actually have bites. And so, you know, back ties are the shit. Mm -hmm. And so back up to back ties. Saw it a couple of times today during drum circle. Right? Yep. Yep. So, and I, you know, see that when I, when I was the, the shaker, right? Yep. Like eyes looking up and you can see that dog started getting a half bite here, right? Yep. They're only biting with half their mouth and they're looking up toward that tricep. And, and that's when the back pressure is super, super vital. Very, very vital. Yes. And which is where an experienced decoy comes in and using a back tie properly and everything else. But mm -hmm. what we don't do is just send a dog downfield off lead and just fucking stick your leg out there and hope they fucking... Hope they fucking bite it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, teaching eyes out, teaching proper gripping, targeting the knee-ish area down, all requires back tie and back up. And even if you have an experienced dog, I mean, putting him on a back tie is not like remedial training. I mean, Eric and I both <laughs> do, like, skills nights. Yeah. You know, what, twice, two or a couple times a year? Where yeah, we a few, for sure. Make dudes go back to basics to do shit. So. Mm -hmm. When I, uh, and I made all the mistakes, too, with... Uh, Standing there and taking my lifting my leg up, but putting it out kind of sideways a little bit, and then if you do get a dog to grab it, as soon as it, because you're immediately going to put your leg down, as soon as you put the leg down off, they pop off, mm -hmm. or they're they're definitely wonked out on it. You see that a lot as a as a mistake guys are making. Absolutely, because now two things are happening. So even when a dog is biting my, but first of all, if the dog's biting your forearm, right, their head is straight. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Even if a dog is biting your bicep, even though it's not totally straight, it's fairly straight. It's mm -hmm. still in line with the spine. Correct. Yeah. 
So when you have a when you're when the decoy is upright and you have a dog biting the leg, a dog can't bite your leg straight. Okay, they can't because there's nothing to bite onto at that point. Okay, so they have to bend their head. So by by taking your leg and making it putting it out horizontal, right, for the dog to bite, and they get a straight bite at that point, and that's how I'm going to introduce it. And then now I put my leg down. Now a, do a dog's in a very compromised position that they're not used to. And what's a dog going to do when they're ultimately stressed and gassed and whatnot? They're going to go to their most comfortable position, they're, you know, that they're used to. And what's in that situation is going to mean pop off, uh, go to the tricep, go to the forearm, go to the bicep. So that's why... It's very important right from the get that I showing them at, you know, when we're upright, I'm showing them hundreds of reps on the back tie with their head bent because it can be completely, you see a lot of dogs start losing it when their head gets put in that particular situation there. And this also has implications for the fend off. So um, most of the patrol dogs that come from us, if they're sent in and they see uh, a decoy blocking a target, like if, if, we have something in our hands, like whether it's a couch cushion, I don't know, whatever. They will immediately like look up and see and then retarget south. So it's a secondary target, mm -hmm. um, which is what I think should happen. It's great. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even in the PSA 2 and the PSA 3 fend-offs, um, that's, that's what we want to see. You know, depending on what we use for the fend-off item, because PSA is completely random we use like, all kinds of crazy stuff so sometimes you use it, a mailbox uh i'm sure somebody we've done bowling pens i don't know why i thought of mailbox. I, we used a bowling random. pen <laughs> i mean like i mean can you milk me <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude we <laughs> daryl richie has had has like has had me use shit and then or he'll just be like oh use whatever you want i don't care uh you know same thing like bradshaw and katrina have both been like oh i don't give a fuck what you do use whatever you want or do you and, find in the ditch that day yeah. so well, well you know here's a carcass yeah <laughs> no we and you know one of the most common items that we use uh which is applicable for patrol dogs uh is a prey item so we'll use a leg sleeve we'll use a hard sleeve we'll use a suit jacket um, and ideally we want the dog to completely ignore whatever prey item we have in our hand and come over it or under it to an acceptable target. So, which is, you know, when you hear, and I hate this term and I see goofballs use it all the time. They're like, they want to bite the man. That's what they're talking about. And we want to see a commitment to the dog ignoring whatever we've got in our hand. Now, holding a prey item is pretty gnarly. Like, there's not going to be some shit bag that's going to be like, oh, here's a fucking shits and sleeve. Here, bite this. Uh, I mean, I guess it could happen. I'm sure it has. But it's not very common. Like, normally they're going to have couch cushions or pillows or, like, my guys have had bites where people have wrapped themselves up in blankets that they have found, and then they slip it, which goes into the whole a completely different episode about human orientation drills and shedding drills and everything else. But it's still a fundamental targeting exercise and teaching those those fundamental targets is extremely important and it's more than just forearms i mean i think bradshaw mentioned one point in time he's like you know you'll go to these decoy seminars and these dudes will show up and they have a suit and the fucking forearms are just wrecked right, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. and you're like dude you just need a hidden sleeve and a hoodie if that's all you're <laughs> gonna do because they ain't gonna bite your legs anyway so just fucking do that but these dudes show up and they're fucking you know, from the elbow to the wrist is just destroyed. Yeah. And you're like, 
you know, you have an entire suit, right, bro? (laughs) (laughs) You paid for the whole thing. Yeah, use it. So some of us, because we we end up doing so much upper body targeting in the police side, a lot of guys um, have have made like plywood blockers, so to speak, with handles or whatever on them. The one I have is actually shaped like the top part of my legs to keep the dog. Do you ever have to do that with a dog? Do you ever see that? I basically what we're saying is block them. They, there's no way they can come up. Limiting no access. Yeah. In for me for for uh, for ring, I don't just because the dog's primary are legs. Right, right. now, on the from the opposite end, right. I've had I put literally I've taken I don't know four or five inch PVC, cut it in half, tied it around my legs, and I can't even bend, right, because I mm-hmm. need to even cover my thighs because the dogs were so adamant and so committed to biting my legs. I, I had to literally remove it. And if you would take the pants off, right, maybe they would start looking at the jacket. Fuck that. Well, <laughs> yeah. it, well, fortunately, with a lot of ring dogs, not from the standpoint of if you need the dog to actually protect you in your home, right, but fortunately, most of them are literally so equipment fixated that skin is just not an option, right? And and not my personal preference Mm -hmm. but that being said that's what we find with a lot of the cases so but it it, but it's one of those situations but i have done the opposite Mm -hmm. where i've made my legs not accessible at all period the opposite and they have to come up so yeah it's absolutely something to utilize for sure so my last question is on it when you're teaching the leg bites so we're putting our foot out got the toe out there what do we do when the dog is Several reps in rows turning inward, eyes inward. So I find that that's a situation where either the, the, the decoy is standing in a very uncomfortable manner, right? Because for me to put and maintain my balance, to put my foot out, my from, from an anatomical standpoint, my leg is naturally going to be splayed out to the right or to the left. What I might do is just exaggerate a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm not, and I'm talking about exaggerating while your foot is on the ground still. So mm-hmm. if that that takes away the option to kick it up sideways and cry to kid the dog right in the face, right? With their head, they're still biting straight. So right. it, it, it literally, they still have to bite with their head bent, but all I'll do is I'll just exaggerate it a little bit more. So I always, I always approach things from a very controlled uh, situation, a very controlled, like I set up everything, back tie, right? Static line. And I like to give as little, right? help exaggeration as possible. And then if I see the dog needs it, and that's where a good training decoy comes in play. If you see a dog needs it, you immediately adjust, right? And help and help and help. Mm-hmm. And and until the dog, you can see it clicks and they understand what the primary target's supposed to be at that point. So if you're looking at, uh, you have your dog and the decoy's in front of you and it's his left leg and your dog comes in and turns his head to the left, goes in and bites, is it an immediate removal? Correct. I don't, so I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of you know, negative punishment where you're not going to get satisfaction out of doing it wrong. I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to correct, you're not getting corrected, right? Right. Because a dog, essentially he's not wrong, mm-hmm. right? I was wrong. Whatever I did to cause that made it happen. But I also don't want the dog getting satisfaction out of biting the right, you know, the wrong mm-hmm. way. So even if when I'm teaching the sends and I'm teaching now the dog's done really well, now you start adding a little bit of speed to that, start doing 10 foot sends 
And now, especially with the Mountain Law, they like get spun up through the roof, right? Yep. And now all of a sudden, they've done only proper eyes out technique only. And now you add a little bit of speed to that. And now all of a sudden, they're coming in and trying to bite with their eyes on the inside and trying to do cartwheels before they get to you, some stupid hmm. shit like that. So I immediately make the handler have to recall their dog right away. If the dog puts their eyes in the wrong direction, you get zero satisfaction, right? Zero. Is your recall a whistle my recall is a whistle in ring you have the option um because of the sport Mm -hmm. right i want to make a definitive difference between if you hear my voice it means you're staying with the decoy if you hear the whistle you need to come home right now i don't want any questions asked right so if my dog hears stone i don't want him thinking it's an option for a guard or for a recall i want him knowing stone means stay right you're staying you know in a guarding behavior and then the whistle Right. In real life, is it practical? Of course not. No, it's stupid. But yeah. it, it, it's, I'm going to take every advantage I can get within what the, the, the sport allows me to do, you know, in order to, uh, uh, you know. I've seen, I've seen some fucking decoys get crushed during call-offs and French ring because you guys, I mean, PSA, we have an option. So we have a minimum call-off line and a maximum, like, points call-off line. So you get extra points. And, like, if you're super good, and this is in the twos, if you're super good at call-offs, you can get some pretty good points to make up for some deficiency somewhere else. But I've seen, what is it, three meters before you guys call them Within two. Oh, shit. Within two. So so you have a send. So what's the send, like 4,700 meters in venturing? (laughs) 4,700. So, yeah. (laughs) It's like seven miles. Yeah. It's a, basically, normally it's around a 50 meter I got to Google the conversion of 4,700 meters in miles. Fucking far (laughs) is all you need to know. Most of the time it's around 50 meters, right? Right. But, I mean, if you have a championship field, right? So, you know, it can be 60 meters. So... That being said, when you're standing 50 meters down the field, right, all of a sudden two meters, it's a, it, you, that's quick. It more start you you actually start learning how when to call off your dog more from reading your dog's behaviors, right? right. So my dog Sniper, he had run down the field the entire time with his ears back, right, like all of them, and then right before impact. Right, his ears would go up every single time. So, and he's and, listening for a whistle. No, he the, uh-huh. he he, he no, he's 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 getting ready to cut the decoy off, right? So now the ears are going up, and he's mm. and he's focusing, and it's a behavioral thing, uh, right? He's targeting. Did someone point that out to you? You see that? You're no, I saw it. Yeah. yeah, I saw it because I sucked at call offs. I'm like, I gotta figure something else. <laughs> My depth perception is horrible. I don't know if I was blind in one eye or what. But so his ears always went up right before impact. So that was my cue when I started to blow my whistle. Now, after tons of reps and, and you know, we were ring three from 2010 to I retired him in 2014. So enough reps of that, of that uh, uh, exercise, I started also getting a really good understanding of where about two meters was. Right. Uh, so at least one of the states that I sell dogs in just right next to Oklahoma has a mandatory call off. And, uh, it, it, it fucks with people a lot. And, um, I mean, it's one of those things that but they get a lot more than two fucking meters, bro. Yeah. And they're still sweating. Oh, oh yeah. They still get, they get a shit ton of space. I mean, like another zip code. 50 feet at least. Oh yeah. But I mean, it's interesting cause I've seen like decoys or I've seen handlers call off dogs, you know, at two meters and the dog hits the decoy without his teeth. And just fucking crushes them, turns the decoy into a pile, mm-hmm. and you just get slammed. Like it's like getting hit with a fucking bowling ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yep. and I'm like, yeah, well, he didn't bite. It doesn't count. <laughs> so I mean, it's I mean, yeah, it's, it's a good call off. But um, so in terms of police work, 
you know, I, the way I teach it for, I, yeah, I actually just call it the Arkansas out. So for all those people listening that are in Arkansas, that I have dogs in Arkansas for the mandatory call off of state certification, I have something that I actually call the Arkansas out and it's nothing more than a recall. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I mean, totally. the, the, the out is a recall. Mm-hmm. I mean, and same thing with the call off, it's a recall. Mm-hmm. And I see dudes fuck it up all the time. So Ohio have a recall? Who? Does Ohio have a mandatory? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. so do you see a lot of dudes like, and this is how they do it. They work it like 400 fucking times in a row, right, for certification, and the dog won't go. Fuck no. Uh, it <laughs> happens to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, people come in there like, the Some dog dogs goes. will do it. What I end up doing is I switch it up where the dog, for several several reps, will start doing the bite first. Yeah. And then we do bite, 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 recall. Yeah. And then they're like, cool. Yeah, what you don't want to do if you're listening to this, if you're in Ohio and Arkansas, is do recall, 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 recall times 400. Yeah. Next and thing then, you know, you're running all the way down the field to get your dog to leave his down. You got you, you to send the motherfucker down there. You got to go with him. That is not what you want to do. Uh, it's a completely different episode. But, <laughs> and I didn't even mean to talk about that. Uh, however, shit happens. So, hmm. <laughs> Jason, where can uh, people in this area of the country find you on social medias? Social media, uh, if you go to Facebook, we're Karma Canine, the dog training company, and obviously my personal, Jason Davis. Uh, Instagram or Karma underscore uh, Canine. And then I'm also Dogs by Jason is my personal. Which I noticed today you weren't following me, fuck face. <laughs> I did follow you back when you requested you. me. Oh, when you fuck. requested me. Oh, uh-huh. man. Because you're a follower of me now. That's right. Now, I'm like, if Eric's going to be a follower, so I, much follow. I did absolutely follow you. Oh, my I'm, God. I'm a big deal. You should follow me. <laughs> I'm a big deal. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, real quick before we go. Give a shout out to the on the field when you were a decoy, the fastest dog you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. Uh, fastest dog I've ever seen was a dog named uh, Juice that Connie Hine oh, owned. Scariest dog? bastard. Oh, no, I've but ever ap- ap- aptly named. <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, second fastest would be a dog named uh, Ecar that uh, Mike Reich used to own down, down here in, in Florida. Down in Florida, and he yeah. recently uh, sold him to David Broderick out west. Yeah, yeah Mike likes uh, fast cars and fast dogs. Correct. And both, <laughs> both both of those dogs, there was no there was no slow down to anticipate and then explosion. It was literally about half field. They're at 100 miles an hour, and they stayed 100 miles an hour until they were hitting you. That's the scariest situation I've ever seen. You. I would and, love that. Yeah. Nope. I would love to have that dog. <laughs> oh yeah, I decoying yeah. mm, passed. Yeah. Yep. I told Mike. I said, listen, I'll put a barn between he and I, right, and then I'll catch him. But yeah. until then, no. Whoa. Yeah. No. Mike's a good dude. That's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So where are you at, dude, on social media? Uh, Ted underscore Summers on the Instagrams and uh, working underscore dog underscore radio for the podcast. And then, of course, HRD. That was a burp, by the way, if he didn't know. Hey, I tried. He's Uh, had like 18 cores of light. (laughs) That's the thing. White Claw does not give you uh, burping. Yeah, but it also doesn't give me a vagina. So, <laughs> so uh, HR, HRD Police Canine is where you can find us on the other stuff that we're doing today. <laughs> what about you, Eric? I, I, I can't. I can't. Anymore. Everyone knows where the fuck I'm at. So, hey, do you have a website? Yeah, if you go to uh, k9.com, uh, that's my uh, uh, pet dog training company. And then First Coast Ring Sport is my French ring uh 
um, group on Facebook that I have. Yeah, so uh, if you're in the North Florida slash South Georgia area-ish. You just want to fucking drive down and meet him. Or, yeah, that too. Or if you're a police department and you want a decoy that's fucking gangster as shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there appreciate you go. It. Hit him up. Yeah. All appreciate right. It. Thank you. Thanks for yeah, having me, guys. It, brother. Appreciate yep. it. Good job. Excellent. Our very first sponsor, our most loyal guy, is Arno over at ALM Suits and Canine Equipment. I love his tugs, his suits, everything he's got going on. His hidden sleeve is legit. His trainer sleeves, all that stuff, man. We get a lot of stuff from Arno. When you call, he's the guy that answers the phone. He's a one-man operation, kicking ass over there. He's over in Vegas. If you're in town, hook him up and check him out. Ted, talk about his website and discount code. It's uh, ALM. K9, the letter K number nine, equipment.com. That's ALMK9equipment.com. If you use the discount code WDR radio, it'll give you 10% off your first order as long as it's not a suit. He has, I just saw recently too that he's got those uh, super thin hidden Kevlar sleeves back in stock. Uh, those are the ones that Eric and I got as a prototype. And uh, we both love those things and they've become kind of the go to thing for a lot of the hidden sleeve guys like PSA for the carjacking. And it's what we use for a lot of the scenarios you see where we use super thin equipment. We're rolling around wrestling with handlers. But uh, keeps you protected, keeps the dog engaged, lasts for quite a while, fits well too. So ALMK9Equipment.com. Yes, one of our very, very first sponsors of the podcast before we recorded an episode is the guys out in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania at Bravo 3 and at Tripwire. Uh, we love those guys. They do a fantastic job of training the modern law enforcement and first responder. And that's what Bravo 3 is really all about. It's about an, a combination of SWAT, canine, Bomb EOD, fire, hazmat, TAC med, and SOF first responder guys. Everybody gets together to share information. So you've got a lot of people there that are really, really good at what they do, including Eric and I. We're going to be instructors. When is it, Eric? It is October 26th through the 29th in Gettysburg. You can sign up at bravo-3.com, www.bravo-3.com. Come see us, man. Come hang out. We'll have a good time. Yep. I want to take two seconds and talk about the entrance and exit music that everybody hears here, which is kind of an important part of the entire thing we do. The artist, Brother D, has been extremely gracious in letting us use this music, and I want everybody to go hit him up. And if he comes to town, go see him. Go buy his shirts and go buy his CDs. It's Brother D, D-E-G-E dot net. All of his new music's up there. You can get it on the same place that you're listening to this. You can get it on iTunes, you can get it on Google Play, or you can order it straight from his website. But go hit him up. He's a great dude, super gracious, and if you get a chance, go see him live. You got your reasons, I got my wants. Still got that feeling, but I'm too old to die young now. Working Dog Radio was graciously granted permission to use this music by Brother Deeg. Be sure to check him out at brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. That's spelled brotherdeeg.blogspot.com. Be sure to buy him a beer at Amazon, iTunes, or CD Baby, or anywhere you stream your music. Working Duck Radio was edited and co-produced by Alicia Brandt.